0: Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. I have the joy of bringing a message to you on the topic of anxiety and depression. And, uh, but but actually what I want to do is I want to confront the spirit of death and darkness tonight. And we're gonna make sure it's pulled down out of every one of our lives. I actually think personally that there is a spirit of death and darkness in the land now. And, um, and, it's, and it's, it's masked by um, a coronavirus, but I think the devil, the devil is using this to do something much deeper in people's lives. And tonight, in Jesus' name, for every person, listen to me very carefully. Uh, I'm going to do something that uh, I don't normally do. I'm I'm going to do the altar call now, but but we're going to have this opportunity in a few minutes. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you so you can prepare your heart for it. And that is for everybody who has had panic attacks, anxiety, loss of sleep, and you have crippling fear, it, it ends tonight in Jesus' name. It ends tonight. I said it ends tonight in Jesus' name. So. So let me set this up, teach you a little bit out of, out of the Bible, and then we're gonna spend the time we came to do, and that is praying and asking God to move in our lives. Um, I'm not a depressed type of a person uh, at all. The glass is not even half full. It's always full for me, just all the way full. I'm a, I'm a very, I wake up every day pretty happy guy. In 1999, I went through my one and only bout of depression in my entire life, and it was very dark, and it was disorienting, and, um, and that's why I actually used the metaphor of the cave. To describe depression because you know there's a way out but you're just not sure where it is and and then you start making up things like a moth can fly by and you think it's a bat i mean it's it's stuff stuff happens in your mind and um and i went through that for us for about a year and i started really faking my way through it so i was actually just putting on going to church and, and saying you know how, how are you doing doing fine praise the lord and i wasn't fine and I was a, an associate pastor on staff at what is still I like, consider to be my home church. And it was a very crippling uh, time. Uh, we were in these 21 days of prayer in the year 2000 that our church had always gone through. And our pastor, pastor just let us do whatever type of fast we wanted. And I'd always done something like, you know, broccoli and cauliflower, come on somebody, right? And, and so, so, but this is the first time I'd, I'd, I'd gone on a total fast. Um, just, And I'm, I'm not, not projecting that on anybody as a solution for you, but I just knew it was something that I needed to do. I was really desperate. And on day 17 of the fast of 2000, I had an open vision of what uh, looks very similar to what I'm seeing right now. I saw a room full of people with a sloped floor in the back and I saw me preaching to these people and I'd always wanted to be kind of the best number two guy in the world so I never really even dreamed about doing anything like that before. And long story short, talked to my pastor after the fast and he was the one that said, Chris, it's time for you to lead a church and he released me and that's a whole other story. Fast forward 18 years, now we started this church in Birmingham and to God be the glory, um, some amazing things have happened and nobody's more amazed than me, I promise of what God has done over these 20 years but in 2018 three pastors in America uh, committed suicide that I knew about and I did not know them had never even met them one time but uh, it was kind of news in the church world anyway and but it impacted me like we were best friends so I was grieving these families I was looking up the names of their wives and praying for their children and It impacted me like I knew these people and and I I know that when God's doing something like that he's doing it for a reason Uh, I'm I'm experiencing something that he's trying to teach me and we were in a series into in the fall of 2018 that we have done from time to time where I actually get the church to asked me what they want to hear about what what topics do you want to hear about and the number one request was around the idea of anxiety and depression and and I'm embarrassed to say in all the years that we were church i would never done a message on a topic that was so so important to so many people and so I did a week's worth of study on the topic And I'm gonna give you a little bit of it tonight, which honestly, obviously a week's worth of study on a topic like that's not near enough, but I did a week's worth of study, brought a message, and it became the most rewatched message times 100. Like people were really leaning into this, and I thought, wait a minute, this is a big deal. And so, about five weeks later, I was speaking at Gateway Conference in Dallas, Texas. Pastor Robert Morris and um, and I did the same message, but it, it tailored made it to pastors and leaders. Same response. I mean, guys were calling me, saying, "No one knows this, but I've been suicidal. I'm depressed. I'm lonely. I mean, I have anxiety." And again, knew there was something going on there. So I decided that I was going to go on a research and writing project. I was going to write a book around it, but take my time and really kind of figure it out as best I could. And knowing, by the way, that I would not have all the solutions, it's a multifaceted issue and it has a multifaceted solutions, but I'm a pastor and I want to point people to Jesus and I know God has a solution for everything and I was going to find it out of God's word, right? And. But also wanted to be knowledgeable in the secular ideas of it, so I did secular studies, met with uh, both spirit, both Christian and non-Christian psychologists, psychiatrists, and just did the best the best I could. The manuscript was due in March of 2020. Does anybody remember that month? You know, yeah. <laughs> And so and that's when we were all reeling and trying to figure out how to shut churches down and deliver it online. And God bless you guys that are watching at other locations and online. And, but we were all trying to figure that out. And I was late on the manuscript and I said, is there any way that I can delay it to the fall? Cause I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to pull this off and try to manage this new pandemic we were all facing. And the publisher was gracious enough to allow that to happen. Um, and, 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 I, and now I know it was not just coincidence. June would be the second bout of depression that I would experience. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm still to this day, um, not embarrassed, but I hate talking about it. Because I think people expect more of their leaders and they expect you to be a man of faith and power. And I was paste and flour, you know what I'm saying? I was just, it was just, I was, <laughs> it was not good. And, um, and I would have never harmed myself physically. I've never had those thoughts ever. But I was, I was this close. Um, to committing ministry suicide. I was done. I was done and it was a it was it was everything we were all dealing with And then I had about five things that I, only I was dealing with That a lot of people know and some people still don't know it was genuinely the most painful Month of my life um, It was as dark as dark can be I was literally crying and I'm not a crier like I cry one time a year kind of a guy i just don't cry that much and I was crying four hours a day and I was in a very dark place and now I knew that God actually wanted some of those experiences to show up in this book because I am committed to this that I know that when God Let's us go through something like that 2 Corinthians chapter 1 the apostle Paul said said that we we were uh, be under such great pressure far beyond our ability to endure we even we even were, were wanting to take our lives he said he said but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead and that now I comfort others with the same comfort that I've received and I am committed to going every place I can and knowing that people even with smiles on their Faces are facing such huge darkness, depression, anxiety, fear, intimidation, and bring them not only natural solutions, but also the power of God and break it off our lives in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. So, so the study comes out of 1st uh, Kings chapter 19. I'm gonna let the guys put it on the screen for me here because in 1st Kings 18 is the stories you probably have heard preached about. So this is where Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal and Asherah and it's a major victory. It's it's an incredible sermon material and then in the and then at the end of Chapter 18 is when he prays and and God ends a three-year drought. So this is major material, preaching material. And then now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel basically did a Facebook post. And this is is the, the equivalency of this, by the way. This was no more than a post on Instagram. So this great man of God, who's at the transfiguration of Jesus, so arguably one of the most important figures in all of scripture, now allowed one comment on a Facebook post to Elijah, and she just threatened his life. May the gods deal with me, ever, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like the guys you just killed. And watch what happens, and Elijah was afraid. So all this courage in one chapter, and six verses later, he's a different person he ran and he ran for his life and when he came to beersheba and beersheba by the way is called the place of the oath so it was the place where he told god i'll serve you no matter what and now he's going back on his commitment to god which a lot of people have done i mean in 2020 the the mental health hotline number went up 900 uh, percent uh we we help a lot of pastors who are going through tough times, um, we, we, we have a restoration process that we've been honored to be, participate in with pastors and we've done the best we can to help give people second chances, or, but a lot of times we end up being the place that a lot of pastors call when they're dealing with something difficult in their own family or marriage. And then we were on average over the past 20 years, about three a year, and we were getting three a week in 2020. And so this, this was affecting a lot of people and I know it probably affected all of us at some point. And he went to this place of the oath and he made some bad choices he left his servant there he decided i'm gonna i'm gonna deal with this all by myself which is a very dangerous thing to do while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and watch the next verse he, says he came to a broom bush which is just basically a low-growing shrub um, that he got up under and he prayed that he might die and he says i've had enough lord he said take my life and then he makes this out of the blue comment uh, that really has no relationship to the rest of the story so where is it coming from i'm no better than my ancestors and so in the book which i won't take time to regurgitate the whole book basically In my studies, most clinical psychologists say there's about nine major causes of depression of which Elijah did at least six of them in a few short verses and kind of outline those in the book. But then he did five things to get out of the cave of depression in the rest of the chapter. And I don't have time to teach that. But tonight, because I do want to confront this demon of darkness and death off of people's lives. And tonight, every person who is depressed or full of anxiety, peace floods your soul tonight. I do want to expose the devil because if you know anything about how God works when Jesus was confronting the demonic he oftentimes had to identify the spirit in order to cast it out so he looked at demons and says what is your name and tonight I name I'm gonna name some things and it's not exhaustive it's not all of them but I'm gonna give you five that are probably happening on a lot of our lives in just a few minutes here and the first one that I want to give you is what I call life imbalances so in one of the studies that I did was by a guy named Johann Hari. He wrote a book called Lost Connections. And he said, we need to be careful about how much we talk about chemical imbalances. And we need to talk more about the imbalances in the way we live our lives. The truth is a lot of us, for some of us, it's not everybody, but a lot of us, our depression and our anxiety is lifestyle related. So these are some things we're just simply doing to ourselves that gets us in this cave of depression. When I was a youth pastor, we talked a lot about our ministry years together because Pastor John and I are about the same age and we've been doing ministry about the same amount of times. We had so much fun today talking about all these old stories, but I spent seven years in Colorado Springs as a youth pastor and a worship leader, which means I learned how to snow ski in that time. And I, so I took van loads of, of kids snow skiing every week just to get to know these kids, you know. And so I did it a lot. And now we, we ski a lot. But, but in those days, there was before cell phones. <laughs> and so, so if a kid was hurt, and you always thought that as a youth pastor, it's like somebody's in the woods with a broken leg. I know it. You know, so you're thinking this. And so there was no way to check except for to check the infirmary at the bottom of the hill. So as a youth pastor, you ride the chair, lift up, you ski down, you check the infirmary. You ride up, ski down, check the infirmary. That's that's what you do. right? So so I spent, I would spend all day in the infirmary. It was terrible. But anyway, but, but, but I never forget a conversation I had one day with the paramedic there. I want you to hear this. Somebody needs to hear this and this would be worth the night. And he said, you know, uh, Chris, 90% of ski accidents happen in the last hour of the day. And I said, why is that? He said two things overconfidence and weariness and for a lot of us we're going to a level we're pushing our lives to a level that we think we can do and it might be doable but it's not sustainable so we've created a pace we have our lives are out of balance and if the Bible teaches anything, it teaches us how to balance our lives. I found this quote by a guy named Stephen Lardy out of the book, The Depression Cure. And he says, we were never designed for the sedentary, indoors, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life, and we're not. So what's the solution? Ecclesiastes says, better one handful. Yeah, but, P, but Chris, I have two. Yeah, but it's still better to have one handful and have some tranquility than to have two handfuls and have toil and a chasing after the wind. For some of us, we're living two handful living, and so we have nothing else left because we have everything full. But the Bible comes along and says, hey, why don't you consider a one handful kind of a life so that you can use that other hand for something that comes along that's good and not always have your life full. Can I hear a better amen out there, everybody? This is huge, this is huge. And I'd love to talk about it more, but I want to give you all of these. Okay, so that's the first one. Here's the second one. Remember he left his servant there. He left his servant there. And, and for a lot of people, your depression is clearly around the issues of isolation and loneliness. I'll never forget when the pandemic first came out, this phrase that we're all now familiar with, um, social distancing. And the first time I heard it, I said, that's the wrong way to describe what they're trying to accomplish. Like we needed to be physically distant so we wouldn't spread the disease. But if we ever needed each other, it was last year. Like we needed social closeness than ever before, and for a lot of people. The loneliness factor and the isolation factor is off the charts. And by the way, for every person who's watching online right now, and you're at home because you're, you're, you're concerned about your safety, take care of yourself. But if you're home out of habit, we're inviting you to come back in the room. There's nothing like being back in the room. I'm just telling you. Because let me remind you, the first problem in the Bible wasn't sin, it was solitude. The first thing that God ever said wasn't good, watch this verse, he said, the Lord God said it's not good for man to be, say the last word, it's not good for man to be uh, alone. alone. And look in my eyes and hear this, it's not good for you to be alone either. You're not not at your best when you're alone and we need to be very, very careful what happens in those situations. So what did we do? Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider, (laughs) that's a very nice way to say, you need to do this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. And I love this, it's almost like they've peaked into 2020 as some are in the habit of doing. But instead, what do we need to do? We need to encourage each other all the more as we see the capital D, that means the Judgment Day, that means the last day, that day's approaching. And I just want you to know we need each other Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you need me (laughs) just tell them, yeah, you do. I think this brother over here just got a date, congratulations, my friend. Good job, all right. Good place to get a date, I guess, Um, Wednesday night, if you're going to pick one out, pick them out on Wednesday night, anyway, so, all right. Is this helping anybody so far? Okay, let me give you the third one, let me give you the third one, I want to keep moving because we, we came to pray, okay? And that is, remember he said, we're no, I'm no better than my ancestors. And there is a, there's a lot of people's anxiety and depression is because of a spirit, we live in a culture of comparison. So we're comparing our miserable lives with everybody else's highlight reel on Instagram. And y'all trust me, they don't look like that, like, not, <laughs> I promise you. That is not what they look like. (laughs) They all smiling, but they were fighting seconds before that picture, right? But we see all this in social media. Social media has created a platform for you to see how everybody is better than you. And first of all, it's just not true. But in in, in the words of a president, President Theodore Roosevelt, he said comparison is the thief of your joy, and it really is. And we need to be careful that we're not falling into that trap. Galatians chapter six says it this way each one should test their own actions. And it means, like, when you're before God, give an account of your life, of your life before God, not thinking about others. Be careful that you're not putting your life through the lens of what other people are doing. Then they can take pride, and that's a holy pride, not the bad kind of pride, in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Thinking about my own life, I stand before God. I, I lived for years wanting somebody else's church, wanting somebody else's anointing, somebody else's preaching. Like, I really, I don't think I'm that great of a preacher. I think I'm a pretty good, I think I can make hard things simple. I think I'm a decent teacher. But I always wanted to, you know, I wanted to preach like T.D. Jakes, like, oh, come on somebody, you know, like I just wanted to do that. And I tried, it, it was horrible, you know. And I tried to preach one time smiling as much as Joel Osteen and I'm just not that nice. You know, I just couldn't pull it off. And you just got to be careful that we're not falling into that trap. Can I hear a good amen everybody? So I want to give you a little tip. This is, I love passing along kind of trade secrets to a healthy Christian life. I discovered one this year by one of our elders in our church we were praying together during our 21 days in January. I haven't even told you guys this. But uh, we were just talking about how, what 2020 looked like and some of the struggles and all of that. And he said, Chris, I want to gift you with a phrase that's going to change your life if you'll do it. And he said, I said, what's that? He says, it's selective ignorance. And I said, what's selective ignorance? And he says, it's making a list of things you're just, just not going to know. And then just not know them. Because you don't need to know it and I just decided actually so I did a media fast during the fast so I was fasting like normal fast food fast this past January I know you're some of y'all looking at me like that brother fast yeah I know I know I really love food I make up for it come on everybody people ask me how much weight did you lose like I didn't lose it I know exactly where it is you know and I'm gonna find it so anyway But I really do. I really do. Believe it or not, I really fast. I just really love food, and so. Um, but but I, I did a media media fast, and this was during you know January was a pretty active month if you remember that, and 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 I'm so I'm off of everything. Like when everything was happening at the Capitol and everything's happening in America, America and with the election and there, I don't know. And y'all, I was happy, 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 happy. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying, and I'm not telling you to be ignorant. I'm just saying, select your ignorance. Yeah, Selah. <laughs> Think about those things, all right, everybody? And, and the God of peace will be with you in Jesus' name. I promise you that's, that's a good one, too. So let me give you two more. This, this one's huge. And this is what psychologists call ruminating, and it can be defined as self talk. So, ruminating comes from like what a cow does. A cow is a ruminating animal and a ruminating animal. Come on. You guys live in Southwest Missouri. Y'all got to know what a, okay. So what a cow does is they get some grass and then they chew it and then they swallow it and then they regurgitate it back into their mouth and chew it some more and then they swallow it and they bring it back up and chew it some more. Okay, that's called ruminating. And psychologists say that's what people do wrong, is they take their thoughts and they chew it, but they swallow it, which is really good to do, just, just get rid of it, but, but they bring it back up, and they chew it some more, and then they swallow it, and they bring it back up. And how many of y'all know, every time you bring it back up, It's not better, it's grosser. Isn't that right? Okay? And so are your thoughts. And you've got to be careful. Because the devil loves to play play in that space. That's why 2 Corinthians 10, it's not on the screen, it's just coming to mind right now. But 2 Corinthians 10 says that if you're going to have the weapons of warfare that defeat strongholds of the devil... We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Your thought life can destroy your life. Your thought life can bless your life. So we, get, we ruminate. We, for me, if I'm honest with you, Sunday nights. We can have a killer service, campuses full of people, and man, I'll find one thing, one person, one text, one comment, one wish I would have said this, wish I wouldn't have said that. And it's honestly, it's not bad for me to process some of those things so I should get better. Chew it, swallow it, get rid of it, but you bring it back up, and I, I, have a, I had a tendency to do this. Like, wow, that, man. And, it, and the more I concentrate on it, psychologists say you're, it's focused attention on your distress. Wow. And, and it's not to say your distress is not distress. It just becomes worse. Elijah did this. I won't show you the text. Read a few verses further down in 1 Kings 19. He makes statements like, he starts arguing with God after God already revealed himself to him in a powerful way. And he says, yeah, but God, I'm the only one left. And he wasn't. In fact, if you read back one chapter in 18, chapter 18, the very beginning, the prophet Obadiah told him, you're not the only one left. So he knew it, but he began to lie to himself. His distress caused him to lie to himself, and it's a, spirit of, it's a spirit of darkness and death that does that, and it's a very dangerous place for us to be. In fact, Brian Tracy said 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. And maybe that's why the Apostle Paul taught us in the beautiful book of Philippians, a verse where he's in prison and probably bleeding and hurting, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, notice Facebook's nowhere on that list, and I just wanted to point that out. Okay. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And the God of peace will be with you. And that's what I know these pastors of yours want. This is what I want for your life, is for the God of peace to be with you. And you're going to have to play a role in that. So we're going to pray tonight. And you're going to experience the peace of God. And you can have it leave your life as fast as you got it, based on what you watch, what you do, what you listen to when you get home. And so there are just some choices to make about how we're going to live our lives. Can I hear a better amen out there, everybody? We've got to make some choices about just how we're going to live our lives so we can live in this place of peace. Let me give you one more, and then we're going to have a time of prayer together. And that is just simply spiritual warfare. So let me say it this way. Elijah experienced not only the person of Jezebel, but also the spirit of Jezebel. And there is a person called Jezebel, but there is a spirit Of You say, Chris, what is the Jezebel spirit? Watch this. Please lean into this. It's when something small becomes massively huge and it brings fear and intimidation. And for some of you, you've experienced some things that are very real, but they're not as real as you made them in your mind. And this is how the devil operates. He's against your mind. Now lean into this. Hear this. Because he has no power and authority over you. If you're a believer of, of Jesus Christ, you are covered and protected by the blood of Jesus, right, everybody? But, what, but, but he has to get to you some way. So, what does he do? Jesus said he's a liar. Revelation calls him the accuser of the brethren. So, you've got to, it's, it's, that's where he's coming in and he brings this level of fear and intimidation that can lead to the place of darkness that you find yourselves in from time to time. But we overcome him standing firm in the faith and to know that we have the weapons of our warfare and they're mighty to the pulling down of the lies and the strongholds of the devil in Jesus' name, spiritual warfare. And I, probably not so much in this church because you're just such a well-trained, taught, the way you, the, the pastors lead you to true spiritual encounters with God. But most people don't realize, just put the next slide up, that it's spiritual, what, whatever you're thinking about. Now I'm not a devil under every rock kind of guy, but I do think there's a, a devil under every other one just about. So I don't think, you know, well, I ran out of gas. Well, that's a Chevron demon. No, it's not. You just forgot to fill up, you know. Okay. (laughs) That's not that. But some of us have discounted it too much. And it's true. So let me say it this way. What if I told you I got insider information from some type of Homeland Security or FBI, like I have insider information that tonight at 2 a.m. when you're fast asleep, somebody's got a key to your house and that tonight's the night they're coming in. So it's tonight and you didn't know it, but I'm telling you now, and they're gonna take from you everything that is precious to you. You're gonna wake up and your family, and everything that matters to you is gone. What would you be willing to do tonight? Let me answer it. You're not going to sleep. And you're probably going to introduce them to two of your friends named Smith and Wesson. Right? That's just going to happen. I'm just, well, yeah. I knew that would work in the home of the Bass Pro Shop. But anyway, I knew that would work here. Right. So, so that that's what you because you would know all you needed to do is know that tonight was tonight last verse okay don't go to sleep be self-controlled and alert i have insider information your enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour don't be nervous just resist him standing firm in the faith and we do that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. Come on, give God some praise. If if you're grateful for the name of Jesus, the, the power of God.